The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Book Club Show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmood and I am your host. And on today's show, I am joined by some wonderful guests who have their own book club. And we are going to be talking about a very specific book, which I probably have mentioned on the show before but I think it's always always interesting to get different perspectives on it so today we will be discussing The Bone Sparrow by Zana Freylon um, the little subtitle says hope can set you free I'm just going to read the blurb at the back to give you an insight and then I'm going to bring and introduce my guests um, so the blurb says may you forever bring us luck and protection and may you carry our souls to freedom Subi is a refugee born in an immigration detention centre life behind the fence is all he has ever known. Then he meets Jimmy, a scruffy, impatient girl from the other side of the fence. This is one story, the story of millions. So that is the blurb um, itself. The reason I think that, um, I mean, I've been quite excited to talk about this book is because it does um, feature the plight of the Rohingya refugees. Um, and it's really, really important because we tend to, on the media here, only maybe about certain um, kind of certain situations that are going on around the world and certain others do become um, quite invisible. Um, so I think it's a really important book that we're able to talk about today. But we are going to head straight over to our guests so I'm just going to ask them to say um, to say salam and to introduce themselves so what are your names? Iman Amelia Arush Hannah Elisa Fantastic so we've got five um Wonderful ladies joining us for the book club show today. Um, and we are just going to start really to get a bit of perspective on how much reading these guys do. And I guess kind of what reading habits you have. And what I guess what I'm hoping is that whoever listens to the show, especially younger readers, or maybe not so much readers, how they can possibly kind of get into reading. So I am going to go to Iman. Um, what is it that you enjoy about reading? Um, <laughs> you don't know. You're not sure? I mean, it could be anything. Specific. Okay, how about someone helps Iman um, out with this? Who wants to go? Who wants to share what they enjoy about reading? I like how reading helps me get away from everything that's happening. It's like I'm going into a different world. Okay, so I like kind of in a form of escapism. Yeah, I really like that. I definitely think I read. I read for that reason. Amelia, did you want to say something? Um, I think I like reading because it helps me wind down and relax. Mm. And like Hannah said, it's like a form of escapism. 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 Yeah. I know it's one of those tongue twisty words, but I like what you've said about winding down because I think I definitely. So does that mean you tend to read like at, at bedtime? Is it usually when you're about to get yeah, like yeah. after a long day, I like to read and wind down. Yeah, it's really nice and yeah. relaxing. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Arush, how about yourself? Is there anything specific you enjoy about it? Um, not sure because I haven't really been reading that often, but mm. when I do, it's like. It's enjoyable and uh, mm. it's very relaxing. Like you can stop worrying about other things mm. that you have to do. Yeah. Like math homework. Like math. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you've said math homework. And I know I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't say that as a teacher, but I never enjoyed math, unfortunately. I probably did use any excuse to get, <laughs> to get away from it. Um, but I like what you said, actually. I mean, you're being honest. So sometimes you maybe don't get a lot of chance to read. But I guess the main thing really is that when you are able to make time it's something meaningful right and it's something that that yeah like you said it helps you relax and unwind and I guess all the things that we're kind of you know sharing today um how about you guys what is it that you enjoy about reading <laughs> I think it just makes me feel at peace like it makes me calm down when you're thinking about something or you're stressed it just makes you think like off the topic takes mm. you off of somewhere you've been worried about yeah that's why when i read it helps like 
feel that is basically. Yeah, no, I like that, definitely. And I guess also it probably depends on the book as well, doesn't it? So um, maybe then moving next. So we've talked a little bit about how it's a form of escapism, um, the fact that it helps us unwind and um, like relax. Um, what advice do you think you could give to somebody maybe someone the same age as you who is into reading yet or maybe you know there might be some younger children listening and they're like mm, don't really like that book or I've been forced to read a book because of school or something I don't know is there anything that you would suggest to them um, that might make them yeah I don't know get into reading or find a particular book that they might like um, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, reading is the best excuse to get away from math homework because <laughs> because your parents will be okay with it since reading is. Oh, good. I Parents see. won't get so mad. Like video games, they're great fun, but parents mm. will get mad at you for not doing math homework if you're playing video games instead. Reading, they won't get that mad. That It'll is okay. so interesting. Maybe. I have never thought about that as a parent. And I now I'm going to check. I'm going to check why my child is reading. But no, of course, you are right. I 100%. Parents are never going to tell you off, yeah, if, if you're getting away from home by doing reading. Uh, Amelia, did you want to say something? Um, another thing is is that don't ever judge a book by its cover because when I, when I picked up this book, I thought it would be quite boring. But honestly, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it's really interesting. Another thing is is that if you don't want really, really complex books, you can get like a genre you like and a small book, mm. especially if you're like younger. Yeah, that is such good advice. And I think, we, I mean, there's, well, you kind of mentioned quite a few there, but definitely, yeah, not judging a book by its cover. Um, I'm going to come back to you on that because I think, did you feel that you did that with The Bone Sparrow? Yeah. Is that why? Okay, so we'll come back to you on that one. Um, what? Oh, I thought so, right. So I thought we were gonna maybe just add something, but no, that's good advice. So who else has something to share? What advice would you give um, to to younger readers or somebody you know, the children your age, about how to, um, yeah, potentially get into reading or get into a habit of reading? Like, is there a particular routine in mind that you have? What particular time do you enjoy reading? Um, I like to read at night time mm, okay. because I don't get time in the day. Okay, so why? So is it because okay? So if everyone's got a busy routine, um, yeah. So nighttime kind of makes sense. So do you tend to read in bed, or is it like you just do you have like a special room or a special place or something you do that that kind of gets you set that okay, I'm going to read a book now. I read in bed. You read in bed. Okay. Does anyone do like have special lights or candles or I I, I mean I don't know I I don't do that personally but I know people who do. Um. That. My dad has a reading torchlight. It helps like shine light on the book, so you can like be walking around and reading at the same time. Yeah. So like, even if it's dark, you can. That's do, clever. Do that's yeah. clever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I need to get actually a light because I know sometimes when I'm in bed, I mean my husband's not really a reader, and he's been like, oh, switch the light off because I have the lamp. But yeah, you're right. I think maybe maybe a a, a little reading reading light reading torch would help okay cool um right so that's a little bit um about our guests and why they enjoy reading and some of the reading habits but as i said that today we are talking on the book club show about the bone sparrow by zana Freylon. um now this is a book that the girls have read together as part of their book club um and i guess maybe what we'll do is we'll just start with your initial um what were your initial thoughts on the book before you read it? Okay, so obviously it was like, right, we're reading The Bone Sparrow, you saw the book cover. Um, so Amelia, because you kind of mentioned something about that already, I'm going to come to you first. So what were your first thoughts about the book before you started reading? I thought that the book was going to be like something quite boring. To be honest, even though the cover doesn't look like a school book, it kind of like is like a history book, I thought. Mm. Um, because... The cover looked quite plain, but then when I read the back, it did like entice me a bit. But um, I don't think I was still fully com convinced that it mm. was an interesting book until I actually like, started to read it. It was really interesting. Okay, I think it's interesting what you said about the fact that it kind of came across as maybe being a bit, um, did you say like a history history book? What, what did you mention? It's it's like a school book, not a... Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, so just to kind of put put you off a little bit, which is fine. That's actually fair enough. Um, okay, so coming back, coming to maybe um, Roosh, how about yourself? What were your first thoughts about the book? 
Well, um, I had heard it was a refugee book, so、mm. it seemed interesting, since、uh, one of the previous book club books we had read before was about a refugee as well,、mm. or something to do with that. Okay, okay. And、uh, that was quite interesting. So、um, mm. I was. Looking forward to reading this book. Okay, so you enjoyed the one that you kind of previously read, so you thought this would also be kind of interesting because、yes. it was about the same themes. Okay, cool.、Um, Iman, how about how about yourself? I never read the blurb, so I had no idea what it was about. Oh my god, that's so interesting! <laughs> I always have to read a blurb before I read. So how do you do that? Do you just completely ignore the words at the back of the book? Yeah. Are you even slightly tempted that oh you know I I need to know at least a little bit like a name of a character or something? No. Wow. That's okay. Is anybody anybody else in this group like that? Does yes. No. No. So go on. So do you, do you feel like you have to read the blurb? Yeah, I feel like I have to、yeah. just to see what it's about.、Like、yeah. If I didn't read the blurb of this book, I wouldn't think it's. Any good, almost. Yeah. Because I read the blurb, it sounded a bit interesting. Okay, so have you ever done that thing where you've picked up a book,、um, you've read the blurb, and then decided just not to read the book? Because you know, does that happen a lot? Yeah,、okay. that happens a lot. Yeah. Okay, so that's basically how you decide whether you want you want to read something. Ah,、oh, okay, okay, but.、Um, Yeah, it's interesting how people approach, I guess, books differently.、Um, okay, so Rishi, I already asked you what your thoughts were. Oh, yeah, because you were saying you'd read the book about refugees, of course. Yeah, and you, you were kind of interested.、Um, Hannah, how about yourself?、Uh, well, I've not read refugee books because I just never thought like I've never really had an interest towards them. I usually read other dystopian books. And、mm. so when I start tried to read it, thing this one, it was just different to all the other books I usually read.、Mm. Okay, okay, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, and again, I think it's coming back to what I think maybe、uh, Amelia was saying as well that sometimes、um, it takes time for you to find a genre that you like, and just because there's a certain book that maybe. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to like it, or you have to like all books. Even yeah, everyone has a preference. Absolutely.、Um, Anissa, how about yourself? Do you, what、um, did you think about the book? Well, when I looked at it, I it was I was told it was a refugee book, and I don't tend to like refugee books often. I、mm. haven't actually read them because、right. they the theme of them tend to be sad, and I don't tend to、mm. like reading books like that. Yeah. So I wasn't really looking forward to reading it.、Mm. That one. No, yeah, again, and it's fine, and it's true. Actually, it is quite.、Um, it is kind of obviously it's, it is a book which is quite sad, and there are some themes in there which are quite difficult to read.、Um, and for that reason, obviously, for any parents, carers listening,、um, it is a children's book. But yeah, I mean, it, the girls here、uh, are a bit older, so you know, kind of thirteen, fourteen years old.、Um, so yeah, it, it's just to be mindful that maybe if you do have younger children. Um, either you know it's okay for them to 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 read the book, but I guess you would have to probably take time to really sit with them and and discuss some of the themes.、Um, but I think for this age that we're talking about now, about thirteen, fourteen, is probably quite suitable.、Um, right. Okay. So why don't we then delve into a little bit more of、um, the book itself? So we've got obviously two main characters.、Um, what this. A lot of main characters, I guess, but the two main ones、um, is Subi, who's the actual、um, the actual refugee. He's born in the actual detention centre.、Um, you then have Jimmy, who he meets, who's got quite a different、um, kind of lived experience. But it's kind of their interactions and the conversations that they have with each other.、Um, are there any particular、um, initial then things that you'd like to share about Subi's character? What is it that you Learn, I guess, about his life reading the book, and what? How did that make you feel? So maybe if we go to Iman for that one. Um. Is there something about Subi that you remember, or anything, or any part of the book actually that you think you know? I I kind of this is basically what I learned a little bit by by reading it. That like some people actually live like that, that they can't like that they. Mm. Were born in like detention centers and stuff,、mm. so they haven't actually seen like the outside world and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what Subi experiences. So he has no knowledge of the outside world other than obviously what his family tells him, the stories that he hears.、Uh, Amelia, how about yourself? 
I feel like、um, reading Subi's experience makes me feel grateful for the position I'm in that I can like,、um, have freedom and I can you know, go out and stuff.、Mm. But、um, I feel like Subi, he seems grateful for what he's got, even though it's not much, that he can't leave the detention center.、Mm. He's, he gets limited food and drink a day. Mm. It was like two bottles of water a day.、Mm. And、um, it. Yeah. I'm not sure what else to say. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I think what you said is. is、um, yeah, I mean, it's really insightful because it's true. I guess you do get the sense of gratitude when you do read、um, stories like this. And, and yeah, the, the amount of the lack of freedom and the lack of access to things like you said, like water. And there's one aspect of water to drink, but then there's like one aspect. I know there's a scene in the book where it's really, really hot day and they, all, there's so many、uh, of the children have to kind of share one little、um, kind of paddling pool just to be able to kind of cool down.、Um, so, yeah, th- there's something definitely. There about, I guess, when we talk about the rights of human beings and, and what they deserve or what we should, I guess, to some extent, or everybody have. Obviously, not everyone does get it. Um, um, Arush, how about yourself? Is there anything specific you took from the book or from Subi's character? Well, his experience and story it's very realistic,、mm. but at the same time, like meeting Jimmy and stuff, not every child will get. We'll meet someone like that.、Mm. So it doesn't happen with every person.、Yeah. But then again, with Eli dying and stuff,、um, it is very realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's true. So maybe just coming back to Jimmy, can you say anything about、um, so who, who is Jimmy and how does her、um, story in, in、um, the book kind of compare to his?、Um, Kind of, so, so, who is Jimmy? How does she meet kind of Subi? And、um, what kind of relationship do they have then within the story? Well,、If、she brings Subi hope because she's managed to get inside the detention center and get past、mm. the fence.、Mm, yeah, exactly. And so they, they kind, of, kind of build a friendship, don't they? Even though、um, she's Outside of his world, that there's a connection there. And I guess you compare and contrast both, both characters, which is interesting.、Um, so, Hannah, how about yourself? Is there anything specific?、Uh, well, Subi is just very innocent. He doesn't know anything of the outside world and he just thinks that where he is, he's just grateful for it.、Mm. Like, he doesn't, the only thing that he understands, he hears the stories from like, the elders of his family. He doesn't understand anything else but where he's lived.、Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, obviously, when you kind of mention stories from the elders, obviously, because he's in the detention center with、um, his,、uh, his mother, who the character is named Ma, and he's with his sister, who's Queenie.、Um, so, obviously, both of those two people from, their fam- from his family have obviously come to the detention center. Did they have knowledge of the, the, the world outside? Obviously, they lived.、Um, In Myanmar before kind of the, the genocide took place. So, th-、um, I think what's interesting is if you do read this book and you don't know much about the Rohingya refugees, it's, I mean, I would kind of generally maybe、um, encourage you to、uh, look up、um, a part of its history and how、um, that kind of. Rohingya refugees, how they've ended up in the situation they have in terms of obviously politically and、um, all those reasons. It just gives you a good context of. Of where we are.、Um, so I'm going to come to、um, Anissa. What about yourself in terms of Subi?、Uh, I think Subi lives quite a depressing life, but even though he does, he, quite, he <coughs> appreciates everything there. So that shows that he's quite appreciative of everything. He even appreciates the stories he's been told because they mean more to him than quite a lot of things.、Mm. Um, and he has a very strong belief in hope. Like when the, the character Jimmy comes in, he, he sees her and he, she's like his symbol of hope. She's his what, sorry? symbol of hope. Ah,、oh, symbol of hope. Yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. And, and again, coming back to、um, 
the little subheading of, of the Bone Sparrow by Zana Freylon, it says hope can set you free. So there is this uh, almost a relationship between having hope and then that kind of access to freedom, I think, which is really important. Um, so there's one part of the book that I think might be interesting to, to also discuss, which is um, the quote, it says, uh, most people have their boat ID as their number. Ma is NAP 24 and Queenie is NAP 23. But I was born here, so I have a different ID. D-A-R-1, that's me. So that's a quote by Supi um, in the book. So I guess it was really interesting because I know we've had a similar conversation before um, during kind of the book club sessions. Um, how, like what is the significance of this quote? What is it about our names, right? The, the um, what, yeah, let me just kind of put it simply like that. Why are names important? And what's the significance of, of, of having a name? And how does that play out um, in this detention center um, for, you know, the, the refugees that are there? Um, Hannah, I'm going to come to you. What do you think? I think to have a name is important because it, like, identifies who you are and it makes you feel important. But, like, if you're like Supi, well, you don't really have a name, you just have, like, a code it doesn't make you feel special it just makes you feel like just someone random mm. like you're like a, like a cattle like mm. just nothing yeah yeah exactly it's it's really does take away I guess so to some extent your existence as a human right because you know it's natural you you're born and you are named you know usually by loved ones and that's and sometimes you know even I think from an Islamic perspective um names have a lot of weight you know the recommendation is to give your children a good name with a good meaning because it does have an effect on i guess you can say identity and personality as you're going you know as you're growing up um but no for sure um arush how about yourself well i think when people have names it tells people other people who you are because like Mm. for example if someone asks you who are you you're going to give them your name. Mm. So if you don't have a name, then you're not really sure what to say to them. Mm. So you're not really sure who you are. Yeah, exactly. And that actually really concisely, you know, um, explains that you wouldn't know who you are because you wouldn't even be able to, you know, have a name. And it's that thing of uh, being, I guess, dehumanized. The fact that the refugees at the detention center, they're just given letters and numbers for their names. Um and actually that the effect that has on them and obviously coming back then um, to the fact that in the detention centre they have something called the jackets so they're meant to be like the guards who were keeping all the refugees in line and some of them are obviously, well, I, by the sounds of it, the majority of them are not treating um, the, the refugees in there you know, well at all. Um, and I think that kind of contributes to the fact that if they, if they are... Um, with people who have no names, it's probably easier to to treat them in like a not nice way. Um, so that definitely does play into it. Um, how about yourself, um, Anissa? Was there anything that you wanted to add? Uh, I think that what they took, they're like stealing their their identity basically by taking away their name and replacing it with a bunch of letters and numbers. They basically mm. degraded them mm. a whole other level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And that that quote is quite early on in the book. And I think it really sets the scene of what you can potentially expect to happen, you know, in the book. So we've got the, the jackets or the guards. You then have the refugees who, who are just, you know, whose identity, you know, like Anissa said, is, is pretty much stolen and take away from them. And then how all of this plays out in their lives in this detention centre. Um so that is so we, uh, today we're talking um to um um the girls book club group about um the bone sparrow by zana Freylon. um and what we will do is we're going to carry on this conversation um in the second half of the show but in the meantime um yeah you can uh maybe grab yourself some tea or some biscuits or something and then you can join us in a few moments assalamu alaikum يا خير خلق الله يا تاج بسم الله عليك أسك الصلوات يا رسول الله يا خير خلق الله يا تاج بسم الله عليك أسك الصلوات يا رسول الله This man is 
is my hero For he's the light of guidance And he should be yours too And he should be yours too And he should be yours too This man is my hero For he's the light of guidance And he should be yours too And he should be yours too And he should be yours too This man is my hero, for he's the light of guidance, and he should be yours too, and he should be yours too, and he should be yours too. This man is my hero, for he's the light of guidance, and he should be yours too, and he should be yours too, and he should be yours too. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Book Club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmoud and I am your host. And on today's show, we have been talking about The Bone Sparrow by Zana Freylon. And this is a book about a character called Subi, who is um, born in a detention centre. And it's... Um, exploring his life um, and how he is basically living it with his mother, his sister. He has a brother-like figure um, in the story as well, um, who's called Eli. And um, I am in the studio with um, a wonderful um, group of guests who have their own book club. So I'm going to ask them to reintroduce themselves. So we are going to start with... Iman. My name's Emilia. Arush. Hannah. Elisa. Um, thank you so much, ladies, for obviously taking your time to be on the show today. Um, so in the first half of the um, show, we were talking about a little bit about Subi and his character and some of the um, things that I guess you learn um, from his story kind of personally. Um, I know you also shared some of your, kind of your reading habits and what you enjoy about reading, which is really lovely. Um, so if we just go then straight into... Um, another part of the book so we've talked a little bit about um well i mean we've mentioned obviously the book is centered around the story of the rohingya refugees but this is specifically to do with um uh, subi being obviously in a detention center and how um they are treated um i mean there's another quote which i think is um really interesting which comes to which has to do this idea of storytelling. And we already mentioned in the first half the importance to Subi to learn about the outside world from stories from his mother or from you know stories that he hears from other people that he um, talks to in the detention centre. Um, but, yeah, so there's one... Um, there is one quote in here where, he, um, I think it's a quote by Subi, and he says, I need these stories. So everyone else in here has memories to hold on to. Everyone else has things to think on to stop them getting squashed down to nothing. But I don't have memories of anywhere else. And all these days just squish into the same. I need stories. I need them to make my memories. Um, so I guess my question here is that... Um, how do you think, I mean, maybe if we just continue that conversation about why stories are important to Subi, but how that relates to his culture and heritage. Like, what is it that, because the stories that he hears from his mother, they, they are kind of related to, you know, back home when we used to live in, you know, um, Myanmar or, you know, those things are important to him. So what do you think, um, Amelia, if we come to you, why are these stories important in terms of his own culture and heritage, you think? I think it's important because as like his identity is like been taken away from him, um, he wants his culture to 
culture to stay with him because he's in Australia in a detention center, not in mm. uh, where he was from. Mm. And um, I think he needs to hear those stories just to like remind him, mm. because he was born in the detention center. He was never like uh, his sister Queenie and his mum uh, were from Rohingya. Mm. Um, so they like they know what it's like but i guess because Subi is like young and he's curious he wants to know what life was like there and um and all the stories and the culture about it hmm. no fantastic i think that's absolutely 100% right um uh, arush do you want to um add something about that kind of in terms of the importance of stories and Subi in in relation to his culture Yes, because he was the only one born in the detention center. Everyone else had been to the been in the to the homeland Land. and stuff mm. before, and they or they had been living there. Mm. So, so he wants to know more about where he's from, who he's mm. meant to be, or, mm. and yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think yeah, like who he's meant to be is really. Um, I guess it's quite a powerful statement because, yes, yeah, so much of our existence sometimes does depend on our history and, and where we've come from. And that doesn't doesn't always just mean uh, the area or the country. It can mean um, in terms of family and how we develop our relationship to our parents or our you know grandparents, etc. Um, and it does. And, you know, even... Um, you know, from a Muslim perspective, storytelling has been such a massive part of our heritage and part of our culture because we have always had the oral history of, of telling stories that we could just be nursery rhymes. And then when it comes to um, those of us who are then born in, um, like, a, a different country to our parents, so we're part of the diaspora, we have this kind of duality of living because we're in a country that we're born in in a country whose language we tend to speak more of but we know our identity is also linked to a place which is somewhere else and sometimes we might have had the uh the the opportunity to visit those places but yeah so we, we're kind of living in in two worlds and for, i think for supi he knows there's part of his existence which is beyond the detention center but because he doesn't have access through it physically he's obviously doing it you know through through stories which is really important um did anyone else want to kind of come in on on that one in terms of culture and, and heritage i mean the other thing and I, again this is something we've discussed previously as well is um there is another quote which is still related under the same theme which is that where um that was when ma stopped talking to me in rohingya too she reckons if i only speak in english then no one will think i'm any different when we get out um so this, I thought, was a really interesting part of the book because it made me think about some people who think, yeah, no, it's fine. Like, if you're living, for example, in the UK, you just need to learn English. You don't need to necessarily, you know, um, spend time learning, let's say, your your mother tongue, whatever that might be. But in this situation, Mai's literally saying that, no, no, just, yeah, just just um, learn English. And she even chooses to stop speaking to Subi in their mother tongue. Um do you have any particular um, thoughts on that? Um, Anissa, do you have any particular thoughts about that? Um, I think Sophie could will feel like really like it would it would hurt him because that is his mother tongue and he wants to learn his his traditional language. He wants to feel like part of his own people, but he's not because his mom is making him try to like blend in with the people that are not his kind mm, which yeah brings on, me on to kind of the, the next question and maybe Iman why do you think Subi's mum is saying to him or chooses I guess to stop speaking Rohingya and then just encouraging him that it's it's fine just kind of focus on English Why? where is that coming from and why maybe because if he like one day was to go to school so he wouldn't get like made fun of mm, okay so he wouldn't kind of be treated in a different way basically yeah, yeah and kind of get bullied potentially uh, Amelia what about you what do you think um I think that Subi's mom said um stopped speaking wrong year to him is because it might be because she wants him to like achieve things in life and because in Australia obviously the um main language is English so they will have if they like ever get out of the detention center which they probably won't um it's mm. good to have like learn english so they can 
um, so he can go to school, he can get an education, he could do work and earn for himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, basically, um, Subi's mom uh, wants a better future for mm. Subi than she had. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, and Arush, but do you think that it's... So is it okay to cre- create an environment where people feel that they need to assimilate that they that in order for me to be successful i have to speak the the i mean of course to some extent you have to speak you have to speak the 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 language of the country that you're in but should it be to the extent that you let go of what your other kind of culture or language is not really because when you know <coughs> the language when if toby knows the language his mother speaks uh it builds a connection between mm. him and mm. his homeland. So, mm. Mm. Yeah. if he doesn't know it, he he's not sure where he belongs. Mm. And um, it's yeah. um, understandable that his mum wants him to have a, a good future, because mm. even here, to you have to know English to um, yeah to get a job and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what you're saying about connection and that sense of belonging is obviously really important. Um, Hannah, what do you think? Like, I I guess maybe from a perspective, um, like we're obviously we're, for example, all all sitting here. um, We're being born in um, this country, like in the UK. But obviously our families come from from different countries. How does that play out for us or for young people your age? How how do you think... um, this idea of knowing your mother tongue or you know how important is it yeah what are your thoughts on that well i think it's important because first of all so first of all if you've never been there you'll never know anything about it so at least one thing you can take from there is the language Mm. that's not so hard to learn like from your parents or something Mm. so so he should i think know his mother tongue so that he won't forget as they said where he came where he comes from and even though he does need to like adapt to his surroundings and learn English, he shouldn't f- have to forget to learn Rohingyan just to mm. find his way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah, that's really, I guess, an important kind of way of looking at it. Um, Anissa, what do you think then? Because I know, um, for example, when it comes to my children or parents my age who who are trying their best to get their children to kind of learn um you know their mother tongue whatever that might be why do you think it's difficult like I'm saying maybe from my own perspective like it it is a bit difficult and I think sometimes younger children do find it a little bit difficult can you give any insight to why why that might be or um yeah I think it might be difficult for, like, let's say, kids like us to learn our mother tongue because we're so used to uh, the, let's just say, we're from where we are, the Western culture, because we've been born here, we are, we've adapted to it. Mm. Um, for Sub here, because he, he's basically adapted to the Australian culture, but he wants to feel connected to the people of, like, he's from here, right? Mm. So he wants to feel the connection, so he wants to try and learn his language Mm. yeah yeah absolutely and I think and I think this is what um is always interesting because there's obviously the term assimilation that gets um branded about a lot especially you know politically and in the news as well the idea for example um the government expecting let's say the muslim community you know they need to assimilate more they need to be well actually they it's not even the word assimilate they're kind of using the word integration they need to integrate more but actually i think to some extent the hope is and i think maybe that's what you know zana fralin is showing in her book um the bone sparrow the fact that there's a need in order for you to succeed, especially if you're a minoritized community or, you know, for example, a refugee, that there is a pressure that in order to be successful and to do really well, you need to somehow compromise on your own culture and heritage and values and language and all these things. But actually that's, you know, ultimately it is creating a disconnect. And then, you know, coming back to what Arush was saying about your sense of belonging, I think it can create a little bit of... um, um how to say like disharmony you know within your own self so yeah i think you know i can see the intention um and the importance to subi that he you know he really wants to hang on to his language um 
Okay, so there's other, you know, the, the book, The Bone Sparrow, obviously deals with lots of different themes. So we've got, for example, storytelling. We've got the, you know, theme of identity. Um, there's also looking at a friendship when we mentioned the um, relationship between Subi and Jimmy, who are kind of the same age and they meet and the different experiences that they have. Um, imagination is also a really big um, theme. And it's, again, it's related to the main protagonist, which is Subi, because, because he hasn't gone beyond the detention centre. He relies a lot on his, uh, imagination to come up with his own stories and you know it's a way of survival I think for him um, now there's a really interesting part of the book which involves um the Shakespeare duck. So he comes across something um, which is basically a rubber duck. Um, it is meant to look like Shakespeare um, and it becomes like a prop in the book that gives an us an insight into um different part i guess of of, of Subi's um personality um so what is it do you think that i mean is there anything in particular that anyone wants to share why do you think the author introduced um the the shakespeare duck like how does it help you understand any of the story does anyone want to explain that part of the story um it's a way for the author to show Subi's inside thoughts because mm. what he's thinking on the outside he says it mm. but like how he's actually feeling inside sometimes the author uses the Shakespeare duck to mm. tell how he's feeling inside yes yeah exactly and is anybody here enjoy the Shakespeare duck aspects of the book or what do you, do you yeah enjoy or not enjoy about them yeah I like the Shakespeare duck because it shows that Subi had like a sarcastic side of him because the Shakespeare duck was quite sarcastic at times and it showed that Subi wasn't just mm. like just saying innocent stuff he yeah. was also yeah so because because yeah because the the Shakespeare does does question some of the things when when Subi's thinking or trying to make decisions and and you're right it doesn't he does it in quite a humor humorous and kind of sarcastic way which yeah gives you insight into into maybe Subi himself um Amelia do you have any thoughts about Shakespeare Duck or did you enjoy those bits of the book I did enjoy Shakespeare Duck I feel like it shows the reality side of Subi's thoughts mm. because like generally children who are in those situations like tend to grow up grow up faster so that might be like the side of him that's thinking like the worst of things because as we know Subi's like quite young but I'm guessing about nine ten years old I'm not really sure mm. but um yeah it like it's like Subi is like the imagine like the curious Mm. He likes to imagine things mm. and he's like very creative in his mind. But I feel like the Shakespeare duck is like his thoughts but the sarcastic, funny but reality side of things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it and it brings a bit of humour to the book because as um I know Nisa said earlier on, you kind of get that sense it's going to be quite a sad book. But I think the author, you know, she does well through the Shakespeare duck to bring a bit of humour and, and, and wit into the story, which is, yeah, which I think is, is really helpful. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of The Bone Sparrow by, by Zana Freylon, obviously, like like I said, that, you know, she covers a lot of themes um, in the book itself. Um, and I also mentioned at the start of the show, you know, it would be quite helpful to, for people to have a bit more context around what, you know, detention centres are like and um, for example you know just to give you a little bit of information that in the UK the Home Office determines obviously whether or not um, they're, they're going to accept refu uh, or refuse asylum applications um, so if um, an application is um, upheld and the person person obviously has permission to live in uh, with obviously the rest of the community if it's de denied however um, they can be subject to kind of immigration control um, and you know we, you have different um, detention centres even within the UK one of quite well known ones that people may have heard of is Yarlswood which is located in Bedfordshire uh, which is basically houses women and, and family groups that are waiting immigration clearance um, now it's been around for a while like since 2001 but actually it's a subject to heavy heavy criticism um and actually it's involved um some of the um people there you know um going on hunger strikes and and kind of protesting because they feel that they've been treated inadequately now in the book itself the bone the bone sparrow there is a moment where some of the refugees they go on a hunger strike so that is one one of the more kind of maybe harder themes that the the book tackles were there was there anything that when you read that how did that kind of make you feel about um 
the people having to do that <coughs> and, and trying to um, having to try to uh, yeah kind of do a protest in in that way um hannah do you have any thoughts on that part of the book that they were very committed to try to show the world that they were just very committed to just showing yeah mm. I don't know. yeah no no absolutely yeah 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 because they, they they just really want to get um the word out you know especially yeah. in the context of the book to media and stuff um Arush, what about you what how did you feel reading that kind of part of the story well uh, I felt kind of bad that they had to sew their lips together just to show people that they're hungry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And to make people see them, they had to do that much. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's that's exactly it. There's such a um, visceral way, I think, that the author kind of shows it. Um, and obviously the idea is that they, they want to then have like pictures which hopefully will end up in the media, um, and then, you know, people are able to learn about, you know, how they're being treated. And um, yeah, and I, I guess, you know, like um, Hannah said, to do it in a way which, um, you know, to, to some extent, it's even more than commitment. It's almost like there's a sense of desperation that we need to do something really, really um, important. So, you know, we, we can really show how, how bad, you know, how badly we're being treated. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's the fact that, this is obviously a story of one detention centre, um, which has, you know, in relation to kind of Australia. But the UN, UN estimates there's like 26 million refugees around the world. Um, and the UK has resettled around 26,000. And I always find these stats really, really interesting because if you were to listen to the UK government, you would really honestly think that we, that there's some kind of uncontrollable amount of um, refugees and asylum seekers are seeking safety, which they have every right to do. But the fact that out of 26 million, um, that the UK has only re resettled 26,000 in the past five years really just show actually how much more the UK could be doing and they're choosing not to, unfortunately. Um, because in terms of percentages, um, the World <coughs> Bank puts the total number of refugees in the UK at 2018 um, at 127,000 or 0.5% of the world's refugees. Um, you know, so that's a really, really kind of, I guess, damning s statistic um, to, to yeah I, I think just keep in mind um, so we are approaching the end of the show so we were talking um, today to Iman, Emilia, Arush, Hannah and Anissa about The Bone Sparrow by Zana Freilon and um, we hope that that might be a book that you might choose um, to to read yourself I mean I I read this and really really enjoyed it um, you can get a playtext of the book because it was um, it was made into a, a theatre production um, which gives you a little bit more insight there's some workshop um, activities and some questions that you can get at the back of the uh, of that particular book um, but that's been um, adapted um, for stage um, and it was through the pilot theatre company so you can find that more information online um, but in the meantime that I will be back inshallah with a new book and um, some new guests but I, what I really really hope is to have these ladies back on a future show so I'm sure inshallah you will hear um, a lot from them I am actually going to put them on the spot and ask all of them would you do another show would you be back on the book club show Oh my God, that was such a long pause. I'm waiting for all of you to go, yeah, of course yes. we will. Yes. yes. yes oh, definitely. thank you. Okay, I will pay you later. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> all right. Okay, so we, um, that was the book club show. Please do keep us all in your du'as. And we, yeah, you will hear from me, inshallah, very, very soon. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> The battle and cross the line 
I'm about to make another mistake And even though I try to stay away Everything around me keeps dragging me in I can't help thinking to myself What if my time would end today, today, today Can I guarantee that I will get another chance Before it's too late, too late, too late Forgive me Try to start all over again My shame comes back to haunt me I'm trying hard to walk away But temptation is surrounding me Surrounding me I wish that I could find the strength To change my life before it's too late Too late, too late Forgive me Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.